Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Dr. Craig Jenny, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. I apologize, uh, Craig, for making you wait, but as you can understand, these uh, new tougher restrictions that were announced today have got people fired up, and I want to make sure I, I hear what they have to say about it. Your reaction to the, the tougher restrictions in this province now? I think, you know, this is the right decision. I think right now there was essentially no options left. If we're looking at infection rate, hospitalization rate, intensive care, all of the statistics, even tragically the the fatalities, uh, you know, these numbers are probably bigger than anywhere else in Canada at the moment and and, and rivaling even the, 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 the U.S., which is not where we want to be, need to be, or or really should be. I, I think we've had a much better approach earlier in this pandemic, and, and we seem to have lost our way over the last uh, couple months. You know, you know, I want to start there, and, and I'm glad you brought up the, because I haven't looked at them today, but we, uh, per capita, per 100,000 people here in Manitoba, we have gee, the last time I looked, it was almost double, almost twice as bad as anybody else in the country. Um, It's bad elsewhere, but it's worse here. Any reason for that? Because um, I'm I'm just curious if you have seen anything along the way where um, we haven't done what other jurisdictions have done i i'm I'm a, I'm a bit baffled by it to be honest with you is it because it was real easy going early on and we were we got lax or, or what do you think probably a combination of a few things so so i think you're absolutely right a little easier early on especially if we looked at manitoba compared to alberta bc ontario quebec early in the pandemic and that tends to to lead to a a school of thought where it's not that bad i think the other critical thing with this particular virus is that a lot of things really begin to develop under the surface. And by the time we start to take notice of this, uh, you know, and bring in any restrictions, any decisions, any changes in our daily activity, they're not going to have an impact for at least two to three more weeks. And, you know, then the question is, those minor restrictions early on, were they sufficient? They, they, they may have been for the numbers you saw that day, but they were not going to be sufficient for three weeks down the road. And in the meantime, the virus has continued to grow and grow. And, and we're seeing the same problem here in Alberta. We, we now have the highest uh, ICU occupancy, the highest fatalities of any stage during the pandemic. And th- these are things that, that uh, Alberta is struggling to, to bring into control as well. A couple of reporters brought this up during the news conference, and I hear from listeners on this all the time. They question schools. They say, you know, you're really cracking down on these restrictions, and yet schools stay open. And I know the importance of kids being in class and all that kind of stuff, but with these numbers and community transmission being obvious, I understand people when they text an email saying, how are the the schools staying open? So what would you say to that listener who I hear from on a very regular basis? Well, I think the first comment is, you know, it's an excellent point. I I fully understand the, the reasoning behind it. But when we look at the data, and I don't have the data for Manitoba, but when I look at the numbers in Alberta, 
we of course identify uh, uh, children with the virus and some school employees with the virus, but it doesn't seem, for the most part, there are a few you know individual exceptions. It doesn't appear to be spreading in the schools very well, and I think that's because they have brought in a lot of restrictions, masks and physical separation and and hand washing and and sanitization of the classrooms. Most of the cases, again, based on Alberta data, are children acquiring the virus in the community and then testing positive within the school environment. So the schools are more the victim of the virus as opposed to the cause or or one of the, the sources of viral spread, at least from our data here. You know, uh, we've had great news uh, from Pfizer and Moderna, and then I was reading about a third vaccine today that seems to have a lot of promise. We've got eight Manitobans that have died today, 475 new cases. Um, The numbers are still very high. Let's hope these new restrictions that kick in tomorrow bring the numbers down. But what a situation, you know, to be seeing people dying, getting sick, and, uh, you know, 263 people in hospital today, 43 of them in ICU, and to have these uh, vaccines on the verge of being approved for emergency use you know, the part of the solution to our problem is so close, and yet these numbers make it feel so far away. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, the the news for, for at least three of these vaccines, as far as interim data or early data, is phenomenal. I, I think that these will be a game changer. But the reality is we are still six, eight, maybe nine months away from having enough Canadians vaccinated to have a, a significant impact on viral spread. So we still have to really batten the hatches down for the next several months to get us to the point where the vaccine's available. To me, the, the upshot of this or the upside is that it was very difficult to have restrictive lockdowns when there was no end in sight. Uh, you know, the, just the mental anguish of going into a lockdown with no sign of when it's going to end or, or end game visible. Now we know if we can bear with this for the next several months, we will be able to change the playing field. We will be able to change the way the virus moves through the community, protect those at risk and get back to living our lives the way we want to live them. But we got to get to that point first. Craig, we were going to have you on to talk about flu today. We'll save that conversation for another day. Uh, and I appreciate you. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I appreciate you pivoting. I kind of hate that word, but it's, it's hard not to use it these days. I appreciate you pivoting yeah. with us uh, on the news of the day. Thanks a lot. No problem. Take care. Local, 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 support local, uh, even with these new restrictions. And joining us now to talk about these new restrictions, President and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, uh, Commerce, Lauren Remillard. Lauren, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Well, your initial reaction, um, I I said to a listener who called in, if nothing else, this levels the playing field. Yeah, that that may very well be, but I don't think anyone's celebrating today as a victory by any stretch. I, I honestly look across the board and have to feel like this this hurts all business equally in the sense that uh, even the restriction of non-essential items to be purchased in store does nothing to the help the small retailer that's being forced to close, period. It's not as though that new revenue is going to be redirected. Um, also, let's remember, uh, many of our retailers employ uh, young, young Manitobans, newcomer Canadians, uh, women, which we've seen disproportionately negatively impacted economically by COVID. So 
I get, I, we understand and absolutely we want to make sure a level playing field. It's a core principle of the chamber and for business. But at the end of the day, no one is celebrating this because this is not going to advance the cause of supporting uh, local, supporting retailers. Uh, it's a restriction on what can happen, but uh, we still have a monumental task ahead of us and why we need to flatten the curve. If people want to help local business, flatten the curve so that we can get back to opening as quickly as possible. That I really hope Manitobans take from today's announcement. Yeah, I hope that's the message they get as well. And, and we're going to be dealing with this for at least the next few weeks. Uh, hopefully in a few weeks, things can loosen up again. I'm curious to know, uh, you know, as you said, nobody's celebrating these new restrictions. But do you think maybe um, there might be more bad to come from it? I'll give you an example. Um, a big store that is employing people now, now that store may say, well, we don't need some of these people, and now jobs get lost, right? I, I agree and understand why we're doing it, and that's the priority one here. But do you worry that there might be uh, some bad ripple effect from this? Absolutely. When you're restricting economic activity, companies of every size take a look and say, I don't need this uh, staffing component to support the activity that we're seeing. And there and there is likely to be job losses. And as I noted, we've already seen report after report showing how this COVID economic impact is hitting newcomers, women, youth disproportionately. And this is just going to add to that. Again, this is not criticizing the decision today because we all understand we got ourselves into this. We're going to have to rally to the cause to flatten the curve and get back on the path to prosperity. We understand that. But, um, you know, as a chamber, we've been working with the province. We're trying to share with them the needs of our members. And we represent all retail of all sizes. Uh, and, and just saying, here's their ideas. Here's their thoughts. And really just trying to find the best way forward that balances uh, the need for economic activity, but as well, uh, supports the health imperative to flatten the curve. And then the big worry is, you know, it's three weeks of this. Um, hopefully that's all. But will there, after this, be some businesses that will close now because of this and just not open again? Oh, I think there's all there's from day one of COVID, there are companies that are assessing that uh, some on a week-to-week -week basis, others on a month-to-month -month basis. Uh, bankruptcies is a lagging indicator. Some people might say, well, I'm, I'm not seeing that many bankruptcies right now. You won't start seeing them until the first quarter of 2021 and into, you know, the spring, summer of, of 2021. Uh, you know, we've heard stories of uh, business owners selling personal property, uh, whatever they can do to keep their business going, to keep their employees employed. Um, but eventually the, it'll just be too much and they'll have to make that very difficult decision. And, and that's, I mean, that hurts us now and it hurts us long term. But uh, at the end of the day, though, we will continue to work with the province to make sure that we're doing everything we can to support our local business. I would implore all those listening today, make sure you're really exploring Manitoba's business community and supporting our local businesses here. A great way, of course, a new initiative, goodlocal.ca. Please check yep. that out. A lot of great local retailers there that you can support. And uh, we need your support more now than ever. 
and uh, the business community has been here for Manitobans since day one. Um, we're asking for your help to, to help ensure that we're there for the future. Lauren, thanks for your time today and all the best to you and your members. Thanks, Hal. Take care. It is Thursday after the news at 2.30. Carolyn Klassen is with us from Connexus Counseling. Hey, Carolyn, how are you? Hey, I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, so listen, uh, just so you're aware, uh, if we get some phone calls next segment, we may start the segment with a few phone calls because I want to give people a voice today. Uh, but I, I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk to you, especially on a day like today. You and I emailed this morning, and I wanted to talk to you about wiggle room and workarounds and, and the psychology behind that. Well, now uh, we've got these new tougher restrictions that will kick in for at least three weeks starting tomorrow. Uh, stores have to close off non-essential areas. Their capacity capped at 25% to a max of 250. They can only sell non-essential items um, or essential items rather. And uh, no visitors allowed in your home, with a few exceptions. But basically, uh, you can't socialize in your home with somebody from another home. You can still do gatherings outside up to five in public. That's allowed. But I would say that's even discouraged right now. Um, I, I, what, what do you make of our inability, and that's why we saw these restrictions today, our inability uh, to do what we were told to do? Well, I think what we're seeing is that before there was this sort of uh, encouragement to say, keep your restrictions, uh, keep your, you know, your, all of your activity outside of your home very limited. And there was enough wiggle room that some people were interpreting that very conservatively and some people took a little bit more lax with it. And I think we were hoping that if we allowed people's judgment to prevail, that our numbers would drop and we're finding out that doesn't happen. And that hasn't happened. And what I'm noticing with my the people that I'm talking to, my clients and, and others, is that it actually created a lot of anxiety within people as they were trying to make the best decisions possible within what the guidelines were. And now the guidelines are are more and more directive, and there's less and less room for decision-making. And so I think for a lot of people, they're actually going to find this a bit of a relief because now they no longer have to decide if it's okay to go pick up this or if it's okay to go visit that friend. Now, the rules are very clear about what's allowed and what's not allowed, which makes it easier for everybody and makes it much more clear for the people who are using that little bit of judgment and wiggle room to kind of push the envelope in a way that actually wasn't working. I, I like this, that it's in a public health order now. It's in black and white um, not that I was looking, uh, you know, uh, for a workaround or, or wiggle room, uh, but people that I deal with were, and now I can just say no. It's easy now. It's very easy. And I think for a lot of people, and there's a lot of rule followers amongst us, um, and what I was hearing is the people that were rule followers say, I don't know what the rule is and I don't know what to do. And now we all know what the rules are. And now... So there are a lot of people that chafe against the rules, and so I think it's going to be a challenge for them. But the rule followers get some relief. We know very clearly what's expected of us. And the people that struggle and chafe with the rules, who have always struggled and chafed with any rules, are going to struggle with these. But I think they're having a chance to recognize what is expected of them. And hopefully even as they struggle with them and don't like them, they will follow them because if, you know, my dad has a heart attack or your friend is in a car accident, I want there to be an ICU bed available for that person. 
Yeah, no kidding. Um, we have talked a lot about loneliness, you, you and I have, and, and there are going to be people that are going to experience again now a lot more loneliness. And so that's a concern. I worry about people out there that are working uh, in retail that maybe now won't have hours at their job because these stores are only selling essential items. Uh, this is not good for any of us. It's going to be real bad for some of us. The cost is going to be high for specific people. And I think as we are being aware that these policies and these guidelines, these restrictions are to benefit us all, some in our world will pay more than others. And I think it's important for the rest of us to figure out how we can mitigate that payment and how we can support those that are lonely, those that are losing their jobs, how can we be compassionate and make this world doable for them? How can we let them know that they are seen, heard, and valued, that we recognize their sacrifice, and that we're willing to sacrifice something of ourselves in order to make their life just a little bit better? I think we, it's important that we figure, need to figure out how to reach out, you know, pick up your phone right now and text somebody who you think maybe could use a friendly hello text. Just that, that can make a difference in a person's day who's otherwise feeling very isolated. I've said many times, and I'll say it again, I'm so blessed to be working, uh, to still have my job, to be working from home where I'm safe. I'm, I'm here with Jackie. Um, you know, all I have to do is stay home. I mean, there are people out there, frontline workers that are, are dealing with this virus head on. There are uh, grocery store clerks. Um, there's so you know uh, the people that are working in the in the health field. And I know you wrote a poem on Facebook, and and you should check it out. Connectuscounseling.ca is the website, and you can find Connectus Counseling on all the social media platforms as well. Um, you wrote a poem. Uh, explain what it's about, and and tell us a little bit about the message you wanted to get out there. Well, I heard Dr. Rusin speaking the other day about the contact tracers and the public health nurses. They are working overtime. They're exhausted. They're doing their best to be compassionate to people who they know they're going to be stressed at the news to say you've been exposed to COVID-19 or you have COVID-19. These people are on the front lines working with really hard news with people all day. And some of the people, when they get those calls, they're often quite impacted, right? Those calls come out of the blue and all of a sudden your life for the next potentially 14 days is completely turned upside down, you and everyone in your household. And that's really hard news to get. When we get hard news, often we don't just see the news as bad, we see the messenger as bad. And he was reminding us to not yell or swear or otherwise be rude at the people that are doing their job. And so that poem was kind of in the same rhyme as the night before Christmas, just to remind people to, to have a plan it's quite possible for at one time or another this season that we're all going to get that call to say you have potentially been exposed and this is what you need to do. And I think we need to practice that. When we get that call, we're going to say, this is really hard to hear, but I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to thank you for calling. Even though I don't like what you say, I'm glad that you're doing the job that you do. And how can we make that caller's day by showing kindness to them? That was where that poem came from. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.